When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. Welcome in to Big Red Roundtable, presented by Don Franklin Auto. Right here on the Hilltopper Nation Podcast Network. I'm the Hilltopper play-by-play announcer, Randy Lee. Thrilled to have the voice of the Lady Tops, Brett Williams, as well as Tyler Eaton, who hosts Beyond the Hill with us, brings the Big Red Roundtable podcast. Each week, we'll go over the biggest news, stories, and games in the past week, as well as what lies ahead for WKU Athletics. We hope to make this not only an enjoyable listen, but an informative and interesting one, as we promote those special student-athletes each week and relay many of the stories we are so fortunate to cover in our sportscasting career. For access to past and future episodes, stay posted to WKSports.com, as well as all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And before we provide this week's episode, let's hear a message from the presenting sponsor of Big Red Roundtable, Don Franklin Auto. They are Kentucky and a proud partner of WKU Athletics. Don Franklin Family of Dealerships, we are Kentucky. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Big Red Roundtable, and it is our last one of the 2020-2021 season. And uh, we're not happy about it, but, you know, things all good things must come to an end. And uh, we'll be back with you again next year. Randy Liebetai, the Reed, and Brett Williams. It's been a ball doing the show. This is our last one tonight and this year. It's been brought to you by Don Franklin Auto. They are Kentucky's dealership, as well as uh, a proud sponsor of WKU Athletics. And, you know, I walk in here and all you guys are talking about softball. I mean, you're studying about, uh, you know, UTSA. And you're studying about FAU. And here I find out you guys are broadcasting all these games and you're just diving into softball. That's it. We've been I, I, you know, so we have well we have the pitch and we have what are the uh, what are the, the the terminology for softball that's 
It's a little different than others. Yeah, so you've got the rise ball, you've got the drop ball, you've got slap hitters, you've got the designated player, the flex player. And they don't call it the mound. What it's the circle. It? The circle. That's what it's getting at. Let's Sammy Hagar's band. The circle. <laughs> Maybe they'll be playing in between games. That I haven't heard. Sammy right. trademarked that name. They can't call it the circle. Oh, okay. <laughs> circle with the, you got to draw the little R, right? Draw the trademark R in the dirt. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, you guys are going to have a great time. And, you know, it's uh, tremendous that we're hosting the tournament here and uh, that old home uh, field tournament hex is over. Finally, yes. a team that's hosting gets to play in it. It's an exciting time. As you referenced, me and Brett will be on the call for the first nine games of the tournament, four of which will happen today as of when this podcast releases, including the first of what is hopefully a few for WKU as they earned a bye through the first couple of games we didn't know a couple of weeks ago if WKU would be in the Conference USA tournament. Period. They had a lot of ground to make up, and while well, they made up that and then some, a successful run to end the season for WKU. And Brett, here we are, as we referenced earlier in a conversation we got to have. It's a tournament that's been over a year in the making. It's been a broadcast for us to, well, nine broadcasts that have been over a year in the making. It feels good that it's finally here. We get to call this Conference USA softball tournament. Yeah, at the time that we're recording, we're about 15 hours or so from first pitch, and and, and I think it's nice to say that as opposed to a year and a half or so <laughs> ago that we were asked to do this originally. It's been a long time coming, but this team is so excited to, to be able to, as you said, Randy, break the host tournament curse. This team knew it had a great team going into last season, 20-5, and five, a lot of what-ifs, but they had a chance to, chance to really answer some of those what-ifs, which is not something a lot of programs necessarily have had to say, but because of of the different players that they brought back. I know the dynamic of the team right now is a little different due to some of the injuries that they've had, but at the same time, uh, this team has really come together at the right time, dealt with all those midseason disruptions that they had, and and ended on such a strong note. They finished winning nine of their last 11 in conference play, 10 of their last 12 overall, uh, really playing some of their best softball. And, you know, I talked to Kennedy Sullivan for this week's episode of Talking Tops, and she said that they're all on the same page. There's a calm around the team right now. They're just feeling ready to finally enjoy that moment here at home and take care of their business that has been long overdue. And I look forward to seeing what they do. Kennedy has had such a special season with so many special moments and had another one of those special moments in the season finale series against Florida Atlantic. Brett, a a series in which we went into, number one, we still didn't know for sure that WKU would be in the conference tournament. They they and FAU were practically side-by-side side in the Conference USA standings. And lo and behold, after that series that I referenced, WKU earns a four seed. They escape the first couple of games. Florida Atlantic doesn't even end up in the Conference USA tournament. That just tells you how tight things were, and it goes to show you how important it was for WKU to come out and play the way in which they did. Yeah, Kennedy Sullivan... Uh, goes for the walk-off for the third time this season. She walks him off in game one, and then she played a significant role in the Owls not scoring a single run in games two, three, or four. Mm -hmm. She pitched nearly a complete game shutout, helped by Kelsey Ike at the end of game two. She does pitch a complete game shutout in game three, so what a weekend for her. And that whole team, like I said, again, when you hold the opponent who's fighting for a tournament spot scoreless for the last three games, clearly you've locked in and brought your A game at the end. And I just love it for the seniors. Again, Ike getting a chance to get back out in the circle for the first time in a couple of weeks. Paige Carter has obviously had a phenomenal career here, phenomenal season as well. And then even Morgan McElroy, one of the seniors from last year who elected not to use her extra year of eligibility, able to come back and yes. be a part of the senior day this year, which I thought was really special. So great 
great weekend for the tops. Now that we've previewed this week's Conference USA softball tournament, let's hear a word from our presenting sponsor, Don Franklin Auto. Don Franklin Family of Dealerships, 24 locations in Kentucky, one big family. WKU will be playing in the third game of the day today, Wednesday, as of when this podcast comes out. They will take on the winner of MTSU and UTSA. That game will be the first game of the day at noon. Again, you can watch the first nine games spanning between Wednesday and Friday with myself and Brett on the call on ESPN+. Plus. The championship game on Saturday will be on the CBS Sports Network. Before we move on from the softball team, do want to give a shout-out to the six Hilltoppers who were named to the Conference USA second team all-conference squad, Kelsey Ike, Maddie Bowles, Paige Carter, Shelby Nunn, Kendall Smith, and the aforementioned Kennedy Sullivan, all earning that honor. And as we talk about Conference USA tournaments and clinching berths and having to fight for that spot, Randy Lee, the Hilltopper baseball team, had to do just that, and it wasn't the series that the Tops were hoping for against Florida Atlantic, but ended up doing just enough to clinch their spot in the Conference USA Baseball Tournament. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're going to go for sure, and you're going into the last weekend of the season, uh, you know, they're going to be either a 5, 6, or a 7. Um, mm-hmm. you know, FAU, which is now two games ahead of the tops, uh, they are at home against Southern Miss. That's a very tough series. Southern, mm-hmm. Miss, Southern Miss could go in there and win that series. They'll be favored to do so. FAU's very good at home. But you know, they, they got a tough road ahead for them. Uh, right now, the tops are six. The team right behind them, UTSA, is a half game back because they beat Old Dominion twice. Uh, UTSA has to go to Louisiana Tech. Mm. And you know, Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss, they're playing for the West Division Championships. Only a, only, only a half game separate those two. So there's still a lot to be decided in regards to seeding and also uh, possibility for some teams to host a regional. Mm-hmm. You know, if they you do well in the tournament. So you've got four teams. I, I was told Old Dominion has not put a bid in for the tournament. So even if they would have the good fortune of maybe having a ranking where they get playing a regional, they're not going to host. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know Charlotte's put a bit in, Southern Miss has put a bit in, Louisiana Tech has put a bit in. So those teams are not only playing for a championship, a division title this weekend, and trying to you know, win the championship, they're also trying to host a regional. How awesome is that? Wow. I mean, we're talking four different Conference USA teams, one maybe that, that didn't put in a bid, but mm-hmm. four of them that are in conversation of yeah. regionals. I mean, yeah, they're, that, uh, that's impressive. They're in the top 25, uh, the four teams are, and it's the fifth highest rated conference in baseball, according to the RPI. That's awesome. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we we played in the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt has some very good years. Um, you know, Conference USA has been good, but it, we, we have not seen a year like this in the history of our program, we have never been in a league with this many teams ranked the top 25. So uh, it, it's been a, you know, a joy to watch. We've only seen, I haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen Louisiana Tech yet. Uh, we'll see Old Dominion this weekend, but we've seen good baseball hardly any weekend except for Marshall's been easy. Thank mm-hmm. goodness we had Marshall this year. That certainly helped us out. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is John's second best team. You know, the one in 2019 was probably a little better, but that team didn't have to overcome what this team did. Some injuries, but just shuffling the deck. As you open up the season, here's your starting rotation. Well, here's where it's at now. And it's not because of injuries. It's just they didn't get the job done earlier. They had to bring bullpen guys in and get them in the starting rotation. You had to move guys from the infield to the outfield. Uh, you, you had to replace particular players because someone wasn't playing well in front of them. Just, I mean, more adjustments than I think I've ever seen in any team that I've ever worked with here. And it's paid off, you know, and they've had a good season. They've been very close to having a special season. Uh, every every series they played in, 
um, that they haven't won. They've lost a game that they probably should have won or are right there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, FAU, you're, a, you're, a, you're a, a, ball, a strike away, and you split the series. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlotte, you lost a one-run game, and you, you lost Series 3-1. Yeah. Southern Miss, you lose the Series 3-1. Two of your three losses were by a run, right, and yeah. you led in both of those games. So, you know, in, in this competitive of a league, they've been really close to having a, what would be called a, you know, a really good year. And the great part is they have all the talent in the world to be able to still have the ending that they yeah, qualifies as a special year. And, so this is a know, great chance. From one through four in their pitching staff, if every player, if every pitcher is close to his capability, and, you know, Cates has not pitched very well lately, so really our number one guy is probably pitching about like our number three guy right now. But you have a chance going into any team you play. You feel like you can compete and have a chance to win because your starting pitching will give you that chance. And they're deep. They're four deep. And A.J. Peter, who was a starter earlier in the year, um, he's a number five guy. And don't know, you know how much this meant, but uh, you know our ace that we were going to have, uh, uh, Michael Hicks, mm-hmm. beginning of the year, just you know things didn't work out for him. Well, he came back and pitched uh, in this series, pitched an inning. It was only an inning. However, he went one, two, three, and struck out two. So right. maybe he can now emerge uh, and, and get in that tournament. You've got those are six six pitchers who could start a game, wow. or a five for sure. Can't really judge Hicks. He completely turned it around after an inning, but right. sure. he looked good in that inning. Well, we've talked a lot about Conference USA tournaments, Conference USA championships before the baseball tops get to the conference tournament. Five games left, one regular season conference series remaining at one of those top 25 teams in Old Dominion. You'll be able to listen to all four games of that series on ESPN Radio 102.7 here in Bowling Green. And then a non-conference matchup to wrap things up next Tuesday Mm -hmm. against Eastern Kentucky. So Mm -hmm. we won't be able to reflect on those as this is our season finale. But Randy, as you look ahead to those final five games, and then potentially, of course, we don't know what the Conference USA right. tournament is going to look like. What do you think is, is it going to take for this team to do some of the things that we've talked about them being capable of doing when the conference tournament gets here? We're going to have to probably get a couple of players who are, aren't hitting the ball well right now to sort, sort of emerge. Mm. Um, you know, we, We've got to score a few more runs to, to win a tournament because when you're facing those big teams, Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, Charlotte, and Old Dominion, they all have good pitching mm. and, 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 and good hitting. And you can't beat them. Uh, two to one, three to two. We're going to have to be able to go into that tournament and score six or seven runs a game against those kind of teams. Right. You know, we've done it against the others, but against those teams, we're going to have to find a way uh, you know, to generate a little bit more offense. And some of these players we've had who are probably having a little bit a, a year where they felt like they could maybe do a little bit better offensively, they got to step up and and have some big games in that series. But if we pitch it and catch it, and we've been pretty good, um, you know, defensively. Um, you know, we got a we got a chance. Well, we've got one other upcoming conference championship that we do need to touch on because Brett, a sport that you've been able to cover uh, along the year, it's been an incredible year for this program. WKU track and field from indoor now to outdoor. The conference championship coming up this week. I was able to talk to a couple of different members from different parts of that track and field program. Got to talk to thrower John Elam and then. Distance runner Clint Sherman, Elam was on our Talk and Top show, which will be coming out, I believe, today, Brett. It'll drop the same day as the podcast. And then Clint Sherman I got to talk to for Beyond the Hill. And the message from each of them was the exact same. Everything they've been doing this season has been building towards 
sending a message to the rest of the conference in these outdoor championships. Each of them feel like their respective groups have something to prove, and each of them said at the end of the day, no matter what happens, they're going to be the hardest working team that you're going to see at these outdoor championships. And Brett, it feels like that has been the exact message we've gotten across the board from this program this entire season. Absolutely. I think that's been the most exciting part of this uh, whole year's worth of stories. I mean, it's rare that we get a chance to, I know with the golf teams, we get a little bit of it, but with cross country and track and field being essentially, albeit with a couple different championships, obviously cross country has its championships, indoor track and field. I mean, it's technically the third go round, Mm -hmm. but it really does feel like this one year long process of building for this whole program. And whether it was bringing in Brooks LeCompte this year or Brent Chumbly and Tasha Ansley getting their feet in the dirt a little bit in year two uh, to continue to work to build this program back to where it used to be. We've seen so many positive steps across the board. I mean, we've talked to all the different areas of this unit, whether it's sprinting, distance, throws, or uh, field events other than the throws. All of them we've covered. All of them have taken such great strides. Some, Whether it's you know veterans like a Savannah Heckman, uh, Clint Sherman having the, the, the great seasons that they've had, uh, the people that have kind of come onto the scene out of the blue, the Rory O'Connors of the world, uh, Case and Barton um, had a great, you know, particularly early part of the, the indoor season. Uh, you know, I can go on and on. There's just so many different 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 great stories that we have seen Devin Montgomery recently you know hitting uh, the third and the fourth best pole vault marks in program history I know a lot of sprinters as well I'm going to stop naming names before I start just (laughs) running off you've named half the roster I named a few yeah you know name dropper name dropper yes (laughs) um I'll say you know Alexis Williams Marlo Mosley because I don't think I name dropped a sprinter so let's be fair (laughs) but Enough of that. Bottom line is it's been a joy to watch this team throughout this year. I, I, I'm really excited for what they're going to try to do this week in Murfreesboro. Uh, regardless of the exact results, I think the ultimate story, even though we won't get to officially close the chapter, as you mentioned, with this being our, our season finale, still a great story that it was. And I look forward to seeing yet again more progress next year as we continue to to push in the right direction. I have full faith in this coaching staff and this program that they'll do just that. Well, some transfer news to discuss for a couple of programs. And for once, I know this is very surprising. We're going to talk about transfers, and it's not about WKU football. No, this is crazy stuff, but we'll start with Lady Topper Golf as they bring in Kenley Barrett from Sam Houston State. And she comes in with a stellar resume, was the Southland Conference Freshman of the Year in 2019. And not only was she the Freshman of the Year in 2019, won the individual title at the conference championship as a freshman in 2019. So, Brett, as we knew on the women's side, there were a lot of losses for WKU. Three key seniors that Coach Gary raved about all year long. A key addition coming in for the Lady Toppers, and the same can be said for the Hilltopper golf team as well. Got some transfer there, transfer news there, too. Yeah, Thomas Hogan coming in from Ole Miss, and a very unique situation with him because he was with the Rebels for three years and yet he is going to come here with three years of eligibility because he redshirted as a true freshman in 1819. Last year was the free year. Correct. So thus this year he was basically a third year freshman. So wow. now he's got three more years uh, to, to build off of that experience and bring it to WKU. Ole Miss 
heading to the NCAA regionals this year for the fourth straight year. So he's been around some very high level golf in the SEC for a number of seasons. And well, Chan Met said at the end of the, the final in the Conference USA Championships this year, he said, we're going to really hit the recruiting trail and try to keep, again, building this program up uh, to what we expect here. And looks like he's already checked the big box right there. In my day of going to college, parents wanted to rush you through in four years quickly. <laughs> now, I understand they're on scholarships, so they're not so, you know, you don't want to push them through too quickly. Right. But, uh, well, that's uh, what, what a change. Well, there's, what a change. There, there's one player now that we're going to talk about that we wish we didn't have to rush through college quickly. We've talked about additions. We got a bittersweet departure from WKU. One Tay Hollingsworth, who we'll see which number jersey gets hung up in the rafters in Diddle Arena when all is said and done, but officially announced that he would be foregoing his extra year of eligibility to pursue a professional basketball career. Quite simply, Randy Lee, what a career it was for him yeah. on the Hill. So many memorable moments a- along the way. A Hilltopper great through and through. Over 4,400 minutes, I believe, is what he accumulated. And, and um, you know, in my tenure here, no player. You know, I, I didn't see Courtney for his entire season. I came in Courtney's last year. So mm-hmm. it's tough for me to compare the two in regards to my next statement. But uh, no one in my tenure here took more big shots at the end of games at the end of halves, Mm -hmm. than Tavion. Now, he didn't make them all, but he never, to my remembrance, backed down from being the guy to put the game on his shoulders one way or the other, and I admire him for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he didn't always make them, but he made some big shots too and won some great games. And, and, uh, you know, I I really felt maybe his sophomore year wasn't what his freshman year is so good, his sophomore year down a little bit, but his junior year he was nearly the player of the year in the conference. Right. And, uh, you know, he probably makes that free throw and they win the game the last game of the year at North Texas. He's probably the MVP. Uh, so that's how good he was that year. And, of course, he was, you know, good again this year. So uh, uh, that kid was, uh, you know, a joy to, to watch for four years and a, a great guy to be around. And, uh, you know, everyone's going to miss him. I really do think uh, in the last decade, if someone – if everyone – put a vote as to who their favorite player is, I bet in the last decade he would get more votes than everyone else. I would say probably him or Justin Johnson would be the candidates. And I know there are a lot of people like myself that came to WKU. From a student perspective, I'm in the same class as Tay. We were here as freshmen together, Mm -hmm. took some sport management classes together, who came in perhaps not as fans of WKU. You have a lot of people like me. I came in as a a Kentucky fan, born Mm -hmm. and raised, UK fan, blue blood, through and through. But I come to the Hill... I go to one game, and Tay is the guy that stands out. Because and of his he, headband? That Yes. He had the look from day one. He's a guy that you look at and you say, wait a minute, I, I like that guy's look. Then you watch him play, and you're like, wait a second, I like his game even more. And he drew a lot of people in like myself. I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for repacking Diddle Arena. It's one thing that we talk about all the time with Rick Stansbury. One of his priorities was to get people back in Diddle Arena to have those huge sellout crowds that we've seen. And I think Tay Hollingsworth deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that, especially that's, when you look at the student section. That's Rick's really that we've Rick's seen. first big recruit. Yes. That was his second year as coach. Of course he didn't recruit Hardy we well, didn't recruit any of the players really that he um, you know, that he inherited, of course. And that was his real that was his big that was his first big recruit was, yeah. was Tavion. You mentioned him as a favorite hilltopper of many people, and I'll close my portion of this with this. He was my first favorite hilltopper. He gets a ton of the credit for a reason that I became the Hilltopper fan that I am now. Sure. I went to, I think I missed one home game that freshman year that we were both on the Hill together. 
my first favorite Hilltopper. It's going to be tough for anybody to, to take that spot from him. Might just go down as my last favorite Hilltopper as well. You never forget your first. Right. And, and Brett, it goes without saying, he had a tremendous impact across the board and what he was able to do here at WKU. And I should say it, not just being a great student athlete, but doing it while being a great father along the way. What he was able to do altogether truly is incredible. Yeah, no doubt about it. I know I, I had a chance to really see his career from a bit more of a distance than what I would have liked, ideally, obviously, with the way that the the Conference USA men's, women's mirrored scheduling has right. worked out in recent years. I didn't get a chance to see, you know, two-thirds of, of Hilltopper basketball, unfortunately, for the most time due to work in other games at the time. But every time I was able to tune in, it seemed like he had one of his signature games. I'll never forget in the the uh, well, I guess on the men's side, it was the the bonus play. Make sure I'm trying to go back to our old <laughs> nomenclature of things. But during the, I guess it, yeah, it would have been it would have been last year, the 1920 year. So that Louisiana Tech game. Uh, that no one's going to forget that happened to be asynchronous at the end of the women's mm. basketball schedule. And I was able to be in Diddle Arena that night. And uh, certainly no one that was in Diddle Arena that night will forget the conclusion of that one. Tay Hollingsworth just saying, no, we're not losing tonight yeah. and, and finding a way to win that game. And and like I said, even though that was probably the peak, I felt like I saw those kind of performances from Tay every time. And then even though I never really got to know him personally, I mean, everything you see from him, everything you hear from him, and then everything, of course, that you hear about him, him, it's very clear the high character individual that he is, let alone what he is on the court. Like you said, uh, balancing you know his family responsibilities and just being a you know a stand up leader for this team and, and representation of our program and of our athletic department. So uh, nothing but uh, great uh, you know wishes and thanks to him for who he was and who he's going to be as he moves forward and continues to be uh, you know one of the legendary Hilltoppers to have ever done it here. I will never forget that Louisiana Tech game in particular because I got there at halftime. I was calling a high school game before, and then I wanted to get there and cover it for Red Town Radio here in Bowling Green, and I get there at the half, and I think maybe three or four minutes go by, and I'm like, man, why the heck did I take the time to show up to this game? And then we get to the final few minutes, like, man, maybe something, maybe I'll get some good clip for Twitter. You know, I'm getting ready for post-game stuff. And then Tay just does what he did in the final two minutes, and then everything that transpired after that from that game. Incredible moment. I'll never forget it. And speaking of incredible moments, so many of them that we have had in this athletic season. We knew it would be the case. I said it on Talking Top Sprite. We knew it would be an unforgettable season, but we didn't just know why it was going to be so unforgettable. So with that being said, I assume, Randy, Brett, there are some boxes that need to be checked, so I'll just throw that up in the air. Whoever wants to take it first, whoever wants to take the gauntlet and run, I'm throwing it. Somebody pick it up and check some boxes no, for We're just going to swing like pinatas at the floating <laughs> boxes here, see Feel what we free. can find. I'll, I'll start it off by just saying that back in August of last year when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 came out and said, you know, we're not having fall sports, at the time, I didn't think I would have a job for the next year. I said, there's no way in the world we're going to have college sports if two of the Power Five leagues have said we're not having fall sports. Mm -hmm. You know, the Ivy League obviously had already done what it had done, but when you get the Power Five involved, all of a sudden you feel like the dominoes are going to fall, and, and, and you know, that, that was it. And then something changed, and there were a lot of factors at play, and I'm not here to talk about all of that. Whatever happened, happened, and things got in line. But I tell you one thing that I know happened here and that was Todd Stewart saying all the way, no, let's focus on the facts. Let's not get caught up in the hoopla of everything going on on social media and misinformation and this, that, and the other. We're going to find a way to play, and we're going to find a way to do so safely, and we're going to use this platform to help our world take needed steps forward. 
And that is exactly what WKU did from day from day one to where we are right now. And obviously it wasn't easy. It was easy on nobody in this entire world, obviously, in this last year. And still, you know, we're still in the teeth of things and particularly in, in other parts of the world. God bless a lot of folks that, you know, we, we've been able to, you know, take some steps forward that maybe some other areas have not and certainly hoping that, that they can join us. But regardless, it felt like WKU was making it a whole lot easier than a lot mm-hmm. others have had because everyone was so bought in from the top down on the protocols that needed to be followed, on the attitude that needed to be embraced for everybody to continue to, to get out there, do their thing, to do so safely, to protect the community, let alone themselves. They did it so well. I felt safe here all year. And I'm sitting here and going, this was truly a special year for WKU athletics last year, we knew at the time of the shutdown, it was one of the best years Mm -hmm. championship wise and story wise that the the school had ever seen. And unfortunately it didn't get to have its conclusion that it it deserved. But this year we all had a really good feeling could be just that good. And we didn't know what we would get, but we got it. Mm -hmm. And some of those stories still have some time left on them. And as, as again, these championships coming up, but we will always remember this year, not for the fact that it was influenced by the pandemic, but for everything that came out of that and how WKU Athletics, I think, was a shining example to the world at large of how to do it and how to do it right. And I'll be forever grateful for that. Randy? You check my box because, you know, I remember when no one knew what was going to happen. And uh, Todd always was positive that, you know. And that was for May, April, oh, May that no he was doubt. on that. Yeah, so... Uh, the, the, that's my number one thought is just how, and you know, that, that, that filters down and to have our there at the end of the football season, we were like, I don't know, one of yep. three or four prior to the Charlotte game, which they backed up twice. Correct. Uh, they being Charlotte. So we were like one of the three or four that I have a game canceled. So yeah, that, that, that's my number one box. My number two boxes. And I know we have a lot of great players in great sports who are, you know, academic all regions and all mm-hmm. Americans. So, I, I but I want to single this gentleman out because uh, you know, Charles Bassey had a chance to enter the NBA draft after his freshman year, and, and you know smartly didn't. Of course, he had the injury, so he probably didn't have that particular ability or maybe the opportunity to go into the NBA draft the next year. But this year, everyone pretty well knows he's going to the NBA draft. So right. you know he has a really good year. He's Player of the Year again. But this guy also knowing that. He's probably going to be a first-round draft pick or very early in the second. He still went to class, and he still made, what, a 3.6? Mm-hmm. And who, when they when they know they're going to sign a contract for this much money? If you're a first or early second-round draft pick, that's big bucks. Yep. He still excelled in the classroom. And to me, that's uh, not many people do that when they know they got all this money coming down the road. Now, you it just shows a lot for his maturity, his intelligence too, but his maturity and um, just kind of kid he is. Yeah, both he and Carson Williams, all district in terms of yeah. academics, which mm-hmm. you could say the same thing for Carson. Obviously, we didn't know he was going to end up pursuing a right. professional football career, but to stay focused along the way to any student athlete, like you said, is an accomplishment. So is that the final or are those the final boxes that will be checked? And I can't believe we've checked that many boxes. Along the way, I'll have to go back and, and count how many boxes have been checked well, over the collect, course I'm of the season. I'm going to collect boxes over the summer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and believe me, I've done that a time or two in my lifetime moving. <laughs> Collecting boxes. Well, we've checked a lot of boxes <laughs> along the way. It's been a, a fantastic season. I couldn't pick two better people to do it with along the way. I, I am just humbled to be 
in the presence of two such great broadcasters, two such analysts as we've been mm. able to break everything down across these sports seasons. And quite honestly, I can't wait to do it again come the 21-22 athletic season. I say that, and there's still more to be done, Brett, as we talked about on Talking Top. Still more to be accomplished this season, but just without BR as we wrap things up in our final episode. Well, as we collect those unchecked boxes, the great part is about our profession is it just allows us the next opportunity to keep checking because the circle will remain unbroken. And so we just keep turning forward. Well, for one final time in this athletic season, Randy Lee, would you like to close us out? Gentlemen, have a good spring and summer. Will do. See you in the fall, at least on the radio. (laughs) We'll see each other occasionally somewhere. Uh, our uh, Big Red Roundtable has brought to you all season long by Don Franklin Auto, the Kentucky's dealership, and a proud supporter of WKU Athletics. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Big Red Roundtable here on the Hilltopper Nation Podcast Network. For updates on future episodes, as well as access to past editions, visit wkusports.com slash podcast, as well as all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Before we wrap it up, here's one more word from our presenting sponsor and proud partner of WKU Athletics, Don Franklin Auto. Over 5,000 new and pre-owned vehicles to choose from at DonFranklinAuto.com. We'll be back next week with more analysis, discussion, and predictions here on the Big Red Roundtable presented by Don Franklin Auto on the Hilltopper Nation Podcast Network. Jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.